Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky, a podcast where I sit down with some of my friends in the local Columbus, Ohio theater, film, and improv scene and talk a bunch of geeky stuff. Some of it good, some of it bad, but all of it definitely geeky. If you enjoy our program, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review or subscribe wherever you can get podcasts. Our official sponsor of the show is Audible. With over 200,000 titles to choose from, get one audiobook and two Audible originals each month included with your trial, even once your trial ends and normal membership begins. Best part is you own your library, meaning you keep the books even if you cancel with easy exchanges. So if you don't love a book, swap it out for free anytime. Sign up for your free trial over at audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Download the Audible app and start enjoying your new audiobook now. Also, support for this podcast has been made possible by our Kickstarter backers, Ashley Carson, Catherine Ranella, Wooz, Yannick, Doug Poeta, Christopher LeBlanc, Andrew, Kenny, Jerome Wetzel, Casey May, Anonymous, Tavia Ordway, Anthony Portillo, Jen and Brian Petrie, Guest 16554254418, Laura Spires, Kimberly Barr, Kyle Jepson. We here at The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky want to advise listeners that this episode was recorded during the pandemic between the end of 2019 and the end of 2020. In this episode, I am here with... Sam Clements. And... Nathan Haley. And we're going to sit down and talk about the Disney Pixar film Onward on this episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. A word of warning that there will be spoilers of playing, not just on this and just about anything we may talk about. So listener, please beware. And if there's anything you want to say about Pixar, Disney, or the film Onward, join in on our conversation by interacting with us via social media or email. Twitter and Instagram is username goodbadgeeky or email at goodbadgeeky at gmail.com. We may read your comment on a future episode of the show. All right, well, thank you guys so much for doing this. I- I'm really excited because I think this was the last film I saw in theaters with my wife. So, I did, yeah. What was frustrating is good. I thought this was one of the. I thought this was one of the first movies released on Disney Plus. It was, but what was frustrating was my wife and I saw it in the theater, and two weeks later, it was, or a week later, it was on Disney Plus, and it was just like, are you serious? I could have just, I mean, not really. I would have said that a global pandemic was going to take over, and it's true. That's true. But at the time, it was, it had to be two weeks because I remember about a week later is when my workplace was like, oh, we're shutting down. Like you're going home and working from home and stuff like that. So, oh yeah, I know. Well, well, of course though, we're like this far along, and I'm still working from home which i'm not ultimately complaining on but <laughs> i am wanting to go out into the world and see something else than you know my lovely hollywood estate you know i'm getting know. so used to seeing your guys backgrounds like i feel like that's the only way i can imagine you guys now is, is with that exact background behind you you know what that would be a good idea for a, a halloween costume is you take a picture of your background and you like somehow put it behind you so everywhere you walk it looks like that's your background. You're like, oh, I'm a Zoom call. Oh, gosh. Somebody <laughs> did that. Did they really? That would be so awesome. There was a video of someone's Halloween costume, and they were in. They were on 
on a screen, so I don't know if they were doing an impersonation of a Zoom call or not, but like they actually had something hooked up to where that you were like watching them do something. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm not usually good at Halloween though. I tend to just so that I, I think that could that could be it's like Fat Thor. That could be <laughs> my year for a Halloween costume is the Zoom call because you just take a picture of what's behind you and then you can just <laughs> somehow create a device that it's behind you and that's it. You don't have to do anything else. Exactly. It's like Fat Thor. I'm already fat. Just give me like make me look like the dude in a beard, like <laughs> a Thor beard, and we're good. So so yeah, Onward was a weird film for me because we saw it then, and so I haven't watched it since until literally yeah last night and uh, yeah. But being that I. I've already seen it once before this. I'll pass it off to you guys, and I'll start with Sam first. Sam, what did you think of the film, like first thoughts on the film when you saw it? You know, so Onward was a, a film that I saw with the kids. It was one of our movie nights that we did. Mm-hmm. So we had the youngins watch all together. And, you know, I was, whenever I see a lot of big actors like Chris Pratt and now Tom Holland getting all the roles he's getting right now, which is insane, I'm cautiously optimistic sometimes. And, you know, when I saw this movie, you know, I was just so happy with it. I, I loved it. It incorporated a lot of things that I love from, you know, my hobbies and interests. And then, you know, of course, I got wrecked with the ending, which we'll talk about later, I assume. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when you said you're cautiously optimistic about the actors, is it because like you usually tend to enjoy them and the movies they do or the projects they do choose? And so it's just like, oh, I really like them and I don't want to like not like their movies or something like that. Or Well, I mean, so optimism is because, you know, there's talent there, right? You know, I, I can't say there's many things Chris Pratt's done that I don't like. But the caution comes with, unfortunately, like Chris Pratt, he, he plays himself, right? And in you, this yeah. movie, you know, you can really hear the Chris Pratt in that character, of course, and see a lot of it. And uh, I want to make sure, and especially with animation, where there's just so much possible with different characters and different voices and, and so much potential in those movies, I want that to be realized and not just another, here's Chris Pratt playing Chris Pratt, Pratt character, or here's Tom Holland playing the same nervous wreck as he is. But I mean, I guess that's casting too. So. I, I get you. Okay. And we'll talk about that in a bit, a little bit more too. But uh, Nathan, what did, what was your first thoughts on the flick? It's not that it's a bad movie. Again, just, I mean, very predictable. Yeah. Great music. Visually stunning. I mean, the, I mean, just all the scenes, like, I mean, it's amazing what like animators can do now, but like, I mean, it just seemed like a, like a comedy Lord of the Rings. Like they go on a quest, they discover this, you know, friendships, doubts, and then there's a little twist at the end, and all of a sudden it all comes together, happy, you know, the end. But I mean, the I mean, the acting was that I mean, the acting was pretty good. And there wasn't well, it wasn't really acting, just like uh, Sam said. Chris Pratt hasn't had. I mean, he hasn't actually done. He's just playing himself in everything he does. There's no talent there. But he does a good. I mean, he does a good job as Barley. I mean, you know, playing the I can't grow up character who grows up. Blah 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 blah. And then the nervous Spider-Man boy. Yeah, Tom Holland. I wanted to see. I mean, I wanted to see more of the Manticore, and I def. I wanted to see more of Mom. But I don't know how much you want to. You mean do I start talking now, or do you want me just to stop? There? Well, I mean, you, you know what? You you broke the dam, Nathan. Let's go for it. Let's keep chugging along. Well, I just felt like along. like the, I just I wanted like the mom just had seemed like having. And again, I never know with these movies if there's going to be a sequel. Sometimes they leave out characters for a reason. Like, hey, they're going to be mentioned more in this. I don't know how you'd make an onward to, but maybe dad had another secret or maybe mom had a secret because we're talking about a land that used to be all wizards and 
and now they're not, but now they are again. I don't know. But if there isn't an onward two, I would have wanted to have more of a, you know, more of a story about mom, maybe more of a backstory about dad, like, or the, especially the Manticore, because the whole thing, I mean, their survival is dependent on getting this sword. Like you have to, I mean, and all this, like Barley's talking about like following this Dungeons and Dragons realm thing. And it's like, well, hey, this woman just happens to have a restaurant. Let's go see her. And they do. And it's like 45 minutes and then she's not in the movie. And then it's like, oh, I need my sword. She and mom are on for nine seconds. Oh, here's my sword. They're on for nine seconds. Here's the end. Here's what you got to do. They're on for like two minutes. So I would have liked to see more of the mom and the manticore just because I thought those were actually really cool characters that were set up. But originality was wonderful. The whole Cheeto thing that blows up or Frito or whatever, Cheeto, Frito, whatever. I thought that was so cool to use that as a raft. I mean, the fact that you can set one on your tongue and it dissolves like in 30 seconds if they survive the whole trip while going like 40 <laughs> mile an hour. But it's, I mean, it's magical science or whatever. I was expecting but, them all to be dyed orange by the end of that yeah, too. I was like, how are your clothes intact yeah. after that much Cheeto? dust <laughs> but again like nick sometimes will hint at i will allow myself to accept the premise of the movie and then i will find like things that are just so annoying so, so but so watch but i went into it watching it like a little kid like how a little kid would watch it and i would say i ended up watching it a second time because i watched it back when it was really i mean probably oh uh, you did too cool was it like back in april it was february march oh was it? okay then i probably watched it in march but i just remember when i watched it for the second time, I thought I could appreciate it a little bit more. The pixies are freaking funny. I love the little pixie, the pixies, the biker chick as the biker, yeah, the biker pixies. And it was just interesting. Like I couldn't imagine being a centaur and never running. Like I use a car. The fuck he does. There is no way. Do you see how large that man was? Did you see the vehicle he's in? There's a reason why they don't actually show that fucker getting in that car and getting out of that car because he can't. Well, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. Well, I think and, it also anyway, like, yeah. but, you know, for the kids. And I've rambled a lot, so go ahead and ask another question because I stopped talking. No, I, here's the thing: like you're not wrong. Like sometimes the joke in itself is that the joke is that he who would have broken chair sitting on it? the cherry sat in at the table unless they have like reinforced mahogany fucking chairs breaking oh, the average it, weight of a horse. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. here's the thing: oh, okay. I understand how hard it is, how hard it must be to, to for someone to use magic to light a fire, and if you can walk over and turn a light switch on, yeah, that's easy. But there's a part of me, it's just like, at what point do you think not floating in the air, flying around? <laughs> that confused me too. I'm like, why would you want to, like, if you could run up to 60 mile an hour, like. Well, I think it's very clear that our society is not bright. <laughs> and 2020 <laughs> has shown us this. So yeah. it's like when you watch Star Wars as a child and you go, oh, this could never happen again. That, you know, fascism and all that stuff. Like they would, the, the public would willingly be okay with it. No, that's, they can't be okay with it with it just like you know you have to, that's why i just kind of do think like there will i don't understand it personally but i'm also in the minority it feels like sometimes when it's just like yeah that is wrong also magic is cool i want to fly everywhere with my staff but at some point i other people might not want and so it's like then, me with pizza everybody is shocked that i say i could if pizza were to be erased from the planet that's fine that is a it crime but it can go away and that would be okay but it's because maybe it's because I'm surrounded by pizza well, that I don't care. So maybe that's what it is with the magic. Maybe it's because they were surrounded by it. Well, so and for context, for those who do 
don't know, Nathan works at a pizza shop. Like he manages, he runs the ovens, he does all this stuff. It's family thing. So yeah, I didn't have to deal with that. Like I was the guy that like most families every once in a while you order a pizza and then it becomes every Friday night kind of thing. But you know, you order a pizza and that's where it ends usually. Maybe you get a job at a pizza place, but like it's not end all be all. But like that's what you've done for your so it yeah, I can totally see that too being the other engine. It's like I hate using magic. I'm around it all the time. I want something non-magic-y. You know what I mean? That's a different angle to go to, but but the concept alone that was at the Cenotar just like that in itself is the joke and i forgot like him with the long luscious mane i i i yeah and just the vital sassoon you know waving it in the oh jesus god that was speaking of his aesthetics yes. can we talk about his pants he doesn't have pants right so yeah. but he has a belt that he's tucked his shirt into does that mean that shirt is that perfectly around that belt like how does that work I don't, yeah, because then at that point, is the belt part of the shirt? Where literally all you do is you just tighten it up and it keeps the shirt on? Like I just need to know if it's just me. Did anybody try to, to physically imagine him and the mom having sex? Like, no, apparently. I am now. Debate of where the wiener is. Just like there's a great debate, how would a centaur wear pants? Does Do the pants go over the front two legs or do the pants go uh, horizontal underneath? There's that great debate. How would a centaur wear pants? I'm literally wondering how she's not dead if they, because they were obviously together before the magic, pre-magic. So were they intimate before? And like, what's going on? Like, well, we worry about that. Like, yeah. I, I, oh man. See, this is like, where you, watch you want, you know, it's for the kids. Like well, you don't think about that stuff, but I did. And I'm just like, I don't understand. Well, so here's the thing, man, the things we're talking about right now, you, I, I truly do believe in the depths of my soul that someone at Pixar in the story department, storyboards, whatever, talked about it. Either they talked about it themselves or an executive looked at that and said that, why do they have pants? Why do they not have pants? Can we see it? It's wiener. Like what's going on there? And it's like, isn't that technically bestiality? Because it's a horse and you know, the half elf or what's going on with that. And it's like, are they elves? I don't even know what they are. I just know they're they're elves. elves. Yeah. They're elves. Does it say that in the movie? And I just, they say it really quick. I think it's when the mom's looking for the manticore when she pulls up, she's like, I'm looking for two, two elves. They're really young, and that's when the manticore is like, like in their realm, and it was just okay. Yeah, I just didn't want to judge based off their ears. No, well, I mean that's a good start. That's a strong start, Nathan, for the podcast talking about mana, uh, not manticore, talking about centaur penis. Fantastic, thank you. <laughs> no, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Great shirt, by the way. I know, right? Yeah, it's a good shirt. <laughs> My mom got me this shirt. Oh, okay. Not anybody else. Fair enough. No, no one came to Todd's and brought me shit. Hallelujah. <laughs> I told you glows, uh, Ghostbusters glows in the dark, right? Mine. I know that sidetracked. This you, part will be cut out. from this if you want yeah, to. Yeah. But yeah, I turned the life light off in my room and I forget where I saw the... Oh, standing in front of my mirror and I'm like, why can't I read that so clear? And I just about shit myself because I had no idea. I just thought that was... I forgot to tell you it was glow in the dark. That's perfect. I was pissed. Yeah. So with Onward, yeah. So the Centaur, and then so let's talk about the casting with Chris Pratt a little bit more because I I do feel like you're right. You guys are both dead on the money. It's that, and this is one of the things is like someone who follows voice acting. We the three of us voice act for Radio Hour. You know, I don't really do much. That's not true. Well, but the thing is that here's the thing: a lot of people forget is that voice acting is really acting. It's just it's 100 percent with your voice. You know, oh, if shit. you can't if you can't can't act you know 
some people think if you can just do an impersonation of like SpongeBob SquarePants, you're at your voice acting. And that's not necessarily how it is. Like the three of us are good actors, I would say, on a base level. And then voice acting is another tool we have in our, our toolbox. Sometimes with these films, though, and the voiceover community, it, the big films are not loved as much because they do stunt casting, you know, and you're technically hiring that person to play themselves. And unfortunately, it's not like Mike Myers, where Mike Myers does have a, a unique voice for himself. It sounds like Wayne, except for he doesn't say party on dudes. But like, but then you get Shrek, where he does his Scottish accent, which he's only done, I think, in like, well, at the time, he only did it in like one film, which was So I Married an Axe Murder. And that was it. But he didn't do, I think, Goldmember or Austin Powers 2 until after the first Shrek. But, you know, that's voice acting on a very good level. But it's not Mike Myers just doing It's not like Donkey. It's not like Eddie Murphy just, oh, I'm just being Eddie Murphy. I like waffles. You're just being Eddie Murphy at that point. You're not doing anything extra. And sadly, I do feel Chris Pratt does that in this and it is a systematic problem with a lot of i feel big films like this sometimes because with animation you are wanting to hear something unique and different and it's like why not hire the people who do the voices on futurama they can do unique voices and characters but you know will that get butts and seats though unfortunately that's the but going a step further chris pratt usually uh, and tom holland now is nathan was right too tom holland's also been doing the same thing he's been kind of playing the nerd shy kid which i think he's trying to get out but i haven't seen it yet there's a movie he does on netflix where he kind of plays like a, a he's going to be a the main character in, in a, the uncharted movie which is a very indiana jones off character the, off, based off the video game yeah so okay. i mean that's quite different from what he's used to so i'm intrigued i hopefully it's gonna i don't i've never seen him so i'm, I'm wary but I'm, I'm hopeful i guess yeah i i am too like i've heard he i think forget what the name of the project is on netflix i think it's like the devil's something or other but he supposedly he plays like a southern draw or something like that i've heard he's really good in it and it's like a drama there's no superheroes or you know animated like elves or anything like that it's pure drama but i heard he's good in that but I, yeah, I'm still kind of, I've just seen, and I have not, have you guys seen Spies Like Us? I have not. The or, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase from like that. That one I have. Well, yeah, that one I have. But what's the one with Will Smith and him where he like, Will Smith gets turned into a pigeon? I thought that was something. Oh, oh I, I know what you're talking about. I just told Oh, Spies in Disguise, I think. Or Spy in Disguise or something. Maybe that's what it was. But Tom Holland plays. I Will Smith was in a spy movie. Well, it's an animated spy movie. Honestly, no, even if the a, movie sucks, the trailer it has the best joke that I've seen, I'm assuming, which is he turns into the pigeon, and because pigeons have their eyes on the side of their head, everywhere he goes, he can see, like, what, almost, like, 480 or something? Is That's not even possible. 360. He can... three 360. So he's seeing his both sides of his butt, and any way he turns, I thought that was funny. I'm not saying the movie's worth that beyond that. <laughs> but Tom Holland plays the same thing in that, too, man. Like... You know, but here's the thing. Do they play their parts well on this, even though they are probably playing technically themselves? It's stunt casting. But yeah. do we feel like they did a good I job? I think they did bad at all. I mean, you can tell, like, obviously they worked with each other prior to Onward in the shows. Because I wonder, because I remember watching a documentary on Monsters, Inc. And how was John Goodman and Billy Crystal were like, well, if we're going to be in this whole movie together, we need to be in the same room together, feeding off each other. Which I guess, like, I always thought the actors just kind of stood in like a row and they talked to each other. They did like maybe like two hours of shooting or something, took a break, took two hours, went home, came back, did it again. I always thought they were together. I never realized that it's just like 
you in a room and maybe a pro, I don't know I'm gonna like a producer or I'm gonna say some like a sound mixer I don't know but not any other cast members so like Chris Pratt and Holland his name Power Ranger what's his name Power Ranger Tom Holland Tom I can't remember his name just call him Power Ranger we'll know who you're talking about. but like they have a good their their rapport with each other came out pretty well and I think it's because they didn't really have to act they could just be themselves and they knew how the other would probably react. Yeah, that probably does help too because I don't know if they got a chance to actually act in the booth that much. I I haven't seen any clips of them together in the booth. I know they did press together when the movie first came out, but I don't remember because you're right. I remember the whole John Goodman thing is that both Billy Crystal and John Goodman were recording separately, and they're like, "We're not feeling this. We need to get together." The, the problem is, it's like the when they got the three the three kids who do or the three people that do Huey, Dewey, and Louie in the new Ducktales. It became kind of too rambunctious and they had so they only got like maybe two or three sessions of them together but they didn't get a lot of stuff that they needed so then they had to split them back up again but yeah the uh, Nathan you're not wrong either there are some shows like well surprisingly you're not wrong they're Futurama and Simpsons well Simpsons used to Simpsons is now everyone's so big that they don't have to record together anymore they used to record all in one room they did yeah like I know like when Aerosmith was a guest on the show like at the, in, in the credits you would see them like saying their lines i i didn't realize they were all in the same studio or like when nsync did their show and they had they showed at the end of the episode nsync like doing their lines i didn't know that they were all in the same i mean That's that cool might have been to- that might have been far enough in the simpsons run that they might have already started not doing it together i just know like when michael not michael jackson but like th- in the first few seasons especially like all the cast members talked about getting a chance to meet at like a table read like albert Brooks and all those people, meeting them at table reads, meeting them at the recording, and getting a chance to work with them. And then years later, you don't hear that as much anymore. It's just more like, oh, I had to go in on my day off and meet what's it called or whatever because it's Dan Castellanella's day or something crazy. But they used to do that. Personally, I like the way we do it for Radio, which is similar to what you were talking about, Nate. That's how I prefer doing animation if you're going to do it because you know the three of us can bounce off of each other way more. If I that's what I thought. It always to me it, ma- it seemed to make the most sense like if you're gonna be talking to somebody for an hour and 30 minutes you should see them or see their face or sometimes the funniest part is the reaction and your next line like what's that piggyback off of that or oh, something yeah. like that so if and the fact that most of these movies they're just like in a room by themselves i would commend them even more but yeah. but yeah i mean yeah but i still think that chris and tom yeah good. you're getting better you're getting better correct <laughs> i still think they did i mean i still think they did well but mm-hmm. i mean I mean, they're a, I mean, they're a dime a dozen characters. You could honestly, I mean, just like Sam said, you could tell like they were just chosen because they're big at the time. Like there's no real talent that somebody else knew couldn't do. And that's an interesting little thing. You know, I've never truly thought about it till till now, speaking about it, but it, it puts more pressure, not on the actors for acting ability, but on the casting directors for casting, mm-hmm. right? And trying to cast it. They're the ones who have to truly know the characters to determine who they think is going to, one, get the most butts and seats, like you said, and two, actually do justice to the role. So, you know, it's an odd little switcheroo there. It is. And it, they're just fun little nerdy thing. If you guys ever get a chance, Andrea Romano, she has since retired because I think she started losing her hearing a little bit but she has pretty much 
done voiceover directing, you know, the stuff that we grew up all watching, even I would say, Sam, you're a little younger than Nate and I, but even your stuff too. I think she retired about four years ago. So from like 1981 all the way to now. So like Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, DuckTales, pretty much the entire Disney afternoon, almost every Nickelodeon show all the way up to probably, oh geez, I forget when the last, I think the the last Ninja Turtle show. She was the voice. She casted them. She directed them. And so like all those cartoons that's a lot of cartoons like she has had a hand in in some way or she's worked with everybody she knows how to work with them and it's it, and hearing her talk if you ever hear see an interview with her or hear an interview with her it's really choice because for it really for her is all based on acting ability like like you know especially if you would watch batman the animated series back in the day you know you didn't do cartoon shows if you were a, a professional actor it's like but the problem is, is that you either did movies or TV and then cartoons, I would say, were probably a little like a ladder below that, unfortunately, unless it's like a big animated movie for Disney. Like you didn't like that was the weird ring. And now it's like, well, movies are either animated or they're superheroes. So now everyone's moving to TV. And there's like a weird mix. But like they would hire classic 50s and 60s actors to do or even people from like the guy who plays Bull in Night Court, an old NBC show. He is the voice of Two-Face in Batman the Animated Series. And he's really he's terrifying kind of in that voice but is that guy still alive yeah he is he, uh, richard something oh is he the guy he's like he's not seven feet but he's pretty tall he's really tall he he was bald in the show he yeah. wasn't really I, bald I remember Night Court. yeah yeah he yeah and it's so weird because you didn't really he always talked with kind of like a demure stupidity because that's how the character yeah. was but he's a classically trained actor and is like yeah like well a lot of like mark hamill luke skywalker you know it's so weird to watch him go he's just a big nerd anyway you know he always he's like super passionate about whatever uses his hands a lot and i talked to george lucas and i said i don't know if i can say this line and then he sits there and goes he busts into the joker and it's just like holy shit and, and like his whole body changes and in you know but he went to acting school he went to, he did his time and the and that's what she looks for and sometimes i feel like you know you get like frozen Kristen bell i think is a very good actor very good actress I, you know, I have faith in her, but again, she doesn't, she can't do many voices or anything like that, but that's an example I felt like, you know, but Chris Pratt, I, we've not really seen him do much outside of his shtick. Really, you're just getting Chris Pratt for his improv ability, probably, or his zingers and delivery. And Tom Holland, Can you do that in an animated movie? It's hard. Like I think their mouth is saying all those words. Like we think like all the thousands of words that are in an like when really the mouth is just, isn't it like if you took the sound away, you wouldn't have any idea what they were saying you know what I mean like we think they're saying like I love cookies but the mouth is really just making you think that right like they're not the mouth is not designed to say I love cookies right it is actually it's designed just, to say that it, it, it's harder no, for mean, us to read can they do that now because I know a long time ago that was not the case well but like an onward yeah can you improv or do you have to stick you have to stick to the script right you stick to the script, but sometimes, you know, it's kind of like what we do for Radio Hour, Nate. I, or at least it's I... Animated. It's not, well, it's not animated, but it's in the same guise. It's like, you know, if someone makes it, like, say Sam has a line and he does, like, a little quick improv at the end of it, and Jim will be like, I like that, keep that in. The only difference is, is that they have animation, they have you record every line probably about 40 times. That's, I think, the other big difference. So... Nad, they couldn't add Sam's improv unless they went to the animators and said, hey, he added this, now we've got to... You see what I'm saying? Well, they usually record so what they do is each film is different but they usually from what i understand is they do storyboards first 
They do a temp, like a rough edit of the film, and then they write the scripts, or they already write the script. Sometimes it depends on how the writers are going. But once oh. they have the script in, then they will pass it over to the voiceover people or the actors who are cast. They'll and sometimes with animated films, they'll completely rebutcher the movie and redesign it from the ground up. So they'll have to redo the the script like twenty thousand times. Oh, I always thought the animated at first with. And it's like the lines were kind of just like programmed into what, okay. That's more no. like for dubs, you know, for like, you know, if you're dubbing for something for like anime, you know, Japanese animation or something, that's when, you know, you really have to, the actors have to be strict, but. Yes. Or on Sam's point, ADR. So it's like they got the basic dialogue, but you might need like some grunts or maybe mm-hmm. they cut, they cut part of your scene out, but the way the animation's looking is that they might need another grunt or something from you because it's another character shot and their dialogue's fine, but your mouth looks like it's still moving or something or yeah it's weird stuff like that but but so chris holland's in the movie uh, tom or tom sorry chris holland holland chris <laughs> pratt the mom who nate was talking about earlier is julie louise dreyfus and uh, yeah it's elaine or the you couldn't, pay, you couldn't pay me to watch seinfeld but Madame i love her i love i mean i i can't remember i think i remember watching season one but but i haven't watched well you now have uh, access to hbo go so you can watch it or hbo max no i know i know but uh, Okay. I don't remember how. He's also who else? Was, oh, what's her name? My girl. Oh, yeah, Anna Chum- Chumsky. Thank you. Yeah. Chumsky. Yeah, it was interesting. And then yeah, that whole show has just great acting. I have not yet. I'm actually not someone who watches a lot of TV and movies, unfortunately, which is a odd take because I know a lot of people who do these kind of podcasts. Or Ashley, for example, have seen. You know, they watch all the time. So I tend to go in things with. Uh, a pretty fresh eye when I do watch something. Yeah. Well, I was just curious if that reference even landed just because I, I know before you and I have talked and I, I, I don't want to pressure you to ever watch the movie, but I didn't know if it was one of those things where it's like, you might not have seen Star Wars, but like, you know that, you know, the line Darth or I am Luke, I am your father mm-hmm. kind of thing, which is like the girl from my girl and Macaulay Culkin, he dies of bee stings or something. He does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I, you don't ever need to watch it. All you really need to know is that he goes into a forest to get a ring for her and he gets stung by the bees and he dies and it's sad and you and yeah I just watch that movie now and just go oh my god Dan Aykroyd is acting with Jamie Lee Curtis and they were a couple in trading places with Eddie Murphy and that's all I remember when I watch it now and then what's that oh yeah he plays the tuba right or she does he, he, he I came out wrong. Women can play tubas and they can be lovely, but he does in the movie. Oh yeah, well, no one said anything about how well. <laughs> oh, I see. Good save, Nathan. Good save. So, in terms of onward, though, the thing is, the the plot. I guess we should talk about real quick is this far along is <laughs> is the one son was born soon after, or probably right after. He never got to meet his dad. Barley got to meet his dad and had and he has three memories. And then at the end, shocker, which wasn't a shocker to anybody he has a fucking other memory like who did not see that coming yeah well i mean i kind of get that like you know, you Barley is an upbeat guy. Like I have not. It's, it's not. I guess we're going to kind of get to the ending now, Sam. Just because it ties into a little bit. But you know, my not to get too heavy here, but my cousin died of cancer, and I was there when they pulled the plug. And it's and I've lost a lot of people in my life, and some people I've been in this. I, my grandmother, I was kind of near the room when it happened or whatever. But it hasn't hit me like I did with my cousin. And you know, it's hard because the only memory I have of 
her now, it kind of trumps all the others, is that last memory. But if I, I think of other memories, though, it's just that always tends to win out, and it's the hardest one. So I understand, like, you go, yeah, I got three memories of some... I, I don't know, it, it, that felt like a very... I mean, it's it's a weirdly generic, like, three's the magic number kind of thing, but also, he was a little kid when his dad died. So it's a very weird thing, but it's... I don't know, I guess that didn't bother me too much, because I knew it was going to... I didn't know the story was really going to be about the older brother needing to meet the dad versus the son, Ian, needing to meet the dad. I thought it was going to be more about Ian in terms of who gets to meet the dad. I, I thought that was a lovely twist. You didn't see that coming. Part of me was like, well, what if Barley guys, but only because Ian could and not because Ian chose it. So I, it was like a symbol of him, I guess, growing up throughout in the 24 hours they had. And here's the thing. The relationship is going to be continuously growing too, I think, because here it says this is something else out there. I don't have any siblings at all. I know I'm an only kid. Well, I knew, sorry, Nick's an only child. Yeah, but like Nathan, you, it's, Sam, do you have siblings at all? I or? have two older sisters. So you have two older sisters. Well, Nathan has two two older sisters and a younger sister. And you know, I can't even imagine if something like that happened to me. Technically, being raised by an older sibling. I mean, technically, I was expecting at some point he would figure out that his older brother was his dad. But I I didn't really understand or. I don't know. I just didn't think they would hit it the way they hit it in the movie. And I really, the second, I will say the first time I watched it, I was kind of let down because I was like, I felt like Ian's whole purpose of the movie was just to meet dad. And instead he sacrificed that chance for Barley instead. And it was kind of a bummer. But the second time it, it, it did land where I think they were trying to make it land. And I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if it's just because the pandemic sucks and I'm just in a different state. Are they fucking outside. Are they fucking outside? Yeah. I just, I literally, Literally, I don't, I Not don't know, but it did hit harder Quite this bad, time. Right? Sam, what about the ending hit you? Because you were saying that you wanted to talk about that a little bit. I mean, it was, like, so to me, it was a one, two, three punch, right? Because, you know, when I, I was watching it with the kids when I first saw it, and I was oblivious when he was making that list. I never thought they were going to connect the list, not like to the father, but to the brother, right? Yeah, I, I honestly didn't think they were going to do that either. I, I thought they were, I thought it was going to be one of those things where we will see that he connects it later down, but like mm -hmm. he won't, they won't actually show it like officially like, oh my God, I do that with my brother. I do that with my brother. I just thought it would be a thing like they would show it in a different way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like that was, that one, you know, got me a little bit, got me a little choked up in a way because, you know, it's, I can imagine, I'm very empathetic with the idea of, not having that father figure, but, you know, realizing you had that father figure all along, right? Because, I mean, especially in the clips they showed back, like, he's a really good brother. As, you know, really? you know, some of the, you know, life choices he made, I don't know what he's doing there, but, like, in terms of his brotherhood, <laughs> he's excellent. How does he afford Charlene? No, what's her name? Uh, Charlene. Charlene, yes. that's, a that's a different car, Nathan. But, you know, like, he was good. You know, and some of the small little, especially those small little clips they showed of them as children, right? Which kind of tied, you know, his memories together in that way you're like okay those are things that a kid should not have the capacity to do to another kid to a degree like in the playing the you know faking like he was the one injured you know something that small it doesn't happen that frequently with two kids playing yeah. the you know instigating and truly trying to help him overcome his fears you know with the diving board and such it's that's not stuff that kids normally think about so I, that I, was like he's a good brother 
Well, I forget what it was. It was very early on. So Sarah rewatched it. My wife watched it with me. And it kind of, I, I wasn't even in that mindset, but she was just like, we need to pause it. I was like, why? And she was just like, we just need to talk about how good of a brother Barley is. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, he's annoying the shit out of his little, because it was very early on in the movie. Like, they haven't even got to the staff yet. I, and mm-hmm. she's just, some of the things, she's like, well, you know, he's she, he's a good brother to him. He's, he, yeah, it's just like some possible life choice issues. But like, she just, <laughs> just wanted to address it and make sure we understand. I was like, thank you. Thank you. I guess. Yeah. And, and I started thinking, about, I was like, yeah, he really is like, he's watching out for him on a different level than most siblings may or may not. I, in my brain, I would feel like I, I watched a, I guess it's a different relationship too, because they both have something in common is that they lost their father and just and and different plane of one knew him and the other didn't it's a very it's a very interesting relationship i guess that they're they're trying to and i think i heard i don't know if you guys saw this but it's actually based on the guy who wrote it i think it's tom scallon or dan scallon it's based on his relationship it's a love letter to his brother because his dad died when he was super young and his brother raised him practically so it actually that makes it more of a punch in the feels and apparently he didn't know it either he had been working at Pixar for in Disney for years and he invited him into a screen and didn't tell him. And so at the end of the movie, it was just like, uh, that's for you, bro, or whatever. And it was like a big, but what else? So what was the one, two punch for you? It was, it was so, the memories of the kid. So the first punch. Boom. The second was, you know, him choosing not to be, see his father and really push, you know, Barley towards that, which is a selfless act. Which Barley's been selfless the entire time. It was Ian's turn to be truly selfish because selfless, because he's been, I mean, honestly, and he has every right to be selfish, but he's had a very selfish run for the movie. You know, everything was doing it so True. he could be with his father, right? It was really his, you know, up to him. So him being selfish and then taking that moment to be like, you know what? You do it. You know, it's really important for you. It was great. And then the last one was as, you know, childlike as this might be for me, was that last hug he had with his father, Barley, you know, that very final hug. Yeah. And then, of course, with the, I, I'll give it a point five with him saying he gave me something to give to you. Yeah. That, that like... Those three kind of, you know, one after the other kind of, you know, got me a little bit, it, very much. It did hit. And well, can I also say, interesting back in that final battle leading up to that was the mom doing her yoga or whatever, <laughs> not yoga, dance and jazzercise, going up the back of the dragon. It, I didn't notice it the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. but that's what she was doing. And she's like, I'm a powerful warrior. I'm like, what is well, she? Oh my God, she's doing her jazzercise exercise thing. And, and you have to assume, actually, so this is one big aspect of the movie that I actually really didn't realize the first time but realized the second time was that you know in the first time I was like oh it's all very D&D-esque and very fantasy you know and then I realized this time no this is a it's a historical movie right you know Barley everything he does he's not like he's a D&D magic no he's a his, he's a history nut because that's his history and then yeah. with the mom I guarantee whatever jazzercise whether it is based in actual fighting in a warrior because if you look into the you know the past there were you know classic warriors that, so she probably I learned it never thought of that that is yeah well yeah and that's one of those things that's really so i mean technically and i think they what was interesting is they don't ground it in the concept of what this what so like i'm sure how they pitched it to the higher ups at disney was just like what if D was real and what if D was like how reality was and then it just evolved with science and now no one does the D stuff anymore like there are dragons and shit but they're all you know like they're dogs now or <laughs> you know like the manticore owns a restaurant because she's not she can't be a ferocious manticore anymore like like 
Like, and I'm sure that's how it was sold, but like they barely, they don't really make it the focal point of what the movie is necessarily. Like that's the hook. It's all based around that relationship with the brothers, but that's a hundred percent right. It's one of those little, well, it's just like rats are apparently unicorns in this universe or raccoons. That was a major surprise for me when they're just like looting, you know, like they're scrawny and like holes. So I'm just like, okay. Yeah. It's such a weird <laughs> and interesting. Right. Exactly. It's such an interesting choice, but it's not like, it's not like that becomes the whole, like 80 minutes of the 90 minute movie is then, and then tacked on at the end. Oh shit. We have a relationship between the brothers thing. Like it's, that's just kind of roughly what it's based around. And then everything else has been focused on the brothers, which has been really nice. And yeah, Barley, it's all historical, Barley. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I think it's just because I play D&D, it's one of those things where you're just still calling. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Like, I don't remember seeing it the first time, but when they're walking in the field and there's it's a beautiful shot of them walking across the field to find Raven's Point and you see an airplane <laughs> flying above them. And it's such a <laughs> surreal thing because if D&D was real today and it was historical documents that we have just somehow pushed aside, you would see shit like that. And it's just, it's rad. I love it. But, but yeah, the one, one, two, three, the one, two, three, even the 0.5 punch, Sam, you're <laughs> not wrong. Like it, it hit me in the feels this go around too, man. And I remember being kind of disappointed the first time I saw it, it was just like, I don't, I still don't really get, I mean, I get cause I'm not an idiot, but like, I don't, I'm not feeling why it was important that Ian do that. And this time I did, I, again, I just, don't know if it hit me the right way and, you know and it wasn't anything bad or crazy in the theater when we saw it that made me disassociate from it but it was just a different experience to go around now something we'll talk about who was your favorite character sam who's my favorite character you know there's a lot of different characters that did some fun things you know gotta hand it off they did an excellent job at animating some pants and giving it character who knew yeah. that a bottom half of a character could have so much yeah. you know emotion right. or stuff tied to it now i don't yet again i'm not gonna go into logistics of the pants because there were some odd things there but you know that i really enjoyed but in terms of favorite character you know i don't know if i have just one i, I don't think there's not one shining moment like this is my all-time favorite character i don't think i can get that yeah maybe I mean, tiny what? barley oh my god yeah tiny barley oh my god you did it the is huge Guinevere's <laughs> huge oh wait I'm small what about you Nate what did you have a character that you really dug not really because it was just disappointment like well no just to That's see it. a lot I mean as far as like characters were like the animation you could tell went into their expressions I think the manacore had like the coolest like animated facial expressions from where she was like subdued to like I am the fucking manticore like I still don't know what it is but like you know, when she became ferocious, like I just wanted to see her more, more developed because I liked the character. I liked the woman who voiced her, and I just remember, like, I mean, just the excitement in her face just seemed like more animated than everyone else. The anger in her face seemed more animated because everyone else, I don't know if it's, I mean, I don't know because they're elves, they have tiny mouths or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like when the manticore got pissed, like her, it was like always like right center of her, and you like saw everything. It's like the Grinch's smile, like. So, I, I mean, I liked her a lot. Again, I just wanted to see her developed. I liked the voice of the centaur. I mean, Ian and Barley were, I mean, they were the main characters. You're supposed to, I guess, like them and watch their development. But everyone seemed, like, I would say the minor characters, I always have a harder job 
job because it's harder to be remembered. That is true. Like it's easy. It's easy to remember Ian and Barley. It's not hard. And if you don't remember their names, you remember what they did because there's hardly a scene without them. There, no more than two minutes maybe go by without one of them in in the picture. Like that's it. Because it's the Manticore and like the Manticore and the mom, or you know the mom talking to the centaur or something. Like there really isn't much without Ian and Barley. So I would say the minor characters would have been my favorite because they have a harder job to be remembered and to tie the story. Because you don't well, realize without that sword, they can't beat the dragon. Barley doesn't get to meet his dad. Ian doesn't get to... Well, I, I'm assuming Ian would still have the euphoric moment of, oh, Barley is, you know, this person. I wonder if he'd have it if they didn't have the sword. You know oh. what I'm saying? No, I mean, that's the interesting thing. Like, I remember I watched a documentary on Dickens' Christmas Carol, and originally he wrote it where Scrooge woke up Christmas Day and he didn't go back and do anything for Tiny Tim. He was just like, Christmas is in my heart. Huzzah. Or there was a draft, I think, too, where he died. Like, he came back, like, he died in the pit and he did, like, there was no redemption for Scrooge. And it's just like, well, no, you got to redeem him. Like, you did all this other shit. You got to redeem him. And it's like, <laughs> no, well, yeah, no. And then he, yeah, then he had a stave where he wrote, where he saved Tiny Tim and Christmas was in his heart for always. And it's just like, oh, it's just, there's redemption in them in their hills and it's a fuller character. But so here's the thing I don't disagree with you. There is, I was watching when they were in the car. I wanted to see more of mom and the manticore you know in retrospect but i do wonder if it was something that was cut for time yeah i don't know let's talk about does did anyone have complaints about the music choices in the movie i know that's a weird thing but outside of the was it the march to valhalla i thought that they're trying to do like us because usually the joke is that DD people listen to like heavy metal or hard rock and it was like Disney Disney-fied version of hard rock and you know what I mean it just didn't it didn't feel legit to me like is it that hard I know it's a D&D like world is it that hard to get the licensing rights to like Aerosmith or something or ACDC or Kiss or something you know what I mean like I that was a weird that's honestly to be very honest at the end of the day that's the only thing I really walked away with going like that's something they could have done better I, I wanted like the March to Valhalla was just chef's kiss good I yeah I and I completely forgot that he picked up the the edge of the Guinevere and that was like a red herring for the dragon at the end because I was just like oh that looks like the jewel I <laughs> forgot I was like that looks like the jewel they should pick that oh he's picking it up good car that can barely start or work I thought it was really convenient to travel as far as it did and have great alignment even over a rocky terrain at an angle where no car in the real world would be able to keep straight for that long but that man did and I commend that magic what did he say, Sam? Wasn't it something like, you know, he's like, you got to turn it just a certain way to get it to purr or something like that? Cause you yeah, can't... he couldn't do it too far. He couldn't do it too... It's yeah. to find it just right in the middle there, I think. Something yeah. Like that. So, <laughs> I mean... I like that go was onward. I did, too. I kind of wish they made a bigger deal of that in a weird way. I, I don't know why. Like, I felt like it was very appropriate to what, the mo- what they were trying to do in the movie. So, sometimes, like, you know, when you see a TV show or a movie and they hit you over the head with the title of the movie or the show, you're just like, Oh, don't do that. We know the movie is called the Santa Claus, the movie. We don't need to say, hey, it's like this is like Santa Claus. No, no, shut up. I don't need that. This was actually an okay one. I was like, you could have said it like probably four more times. I would have been, I would have enjoyed it more. I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, Sam, I would say too that you and I tend to walk away enjoying the film a little bit more than Nate did. Is Maybe just a little bit. Yeah. Just a, just a <laughs> skosh. You didn't. But I don't think you would go out of your way to watch it again is what I'm. No. Well, there we go. Yeah, I wouldn't mind watching it again. 
at some point. But with that said, Sam, I, do you what were some critique like if you what was there anything that bothered you with the movie though, like uh, on on any type of level outside of the Chris Pratt kind of? And again, that's not really a problem, but like you know, I so in most animations, there's always that those few things that just don't make sense that are unexplained. You know, for example, the at some parts of the movie, like for example, the pants. They can't see anything, they can't hear anything, and then for other parts, they can suddenly hear things. And, like, they can suddenly find the brothers, even though they're far away, and you're like, how are you finding them? They're not walking, there's no vibrations, what's going on? And so small incongruencies like that always kind of make me upset, but, you know, not to any large degree. If I were to have any larger critiques about the film itself, was I would have to, you know, go on the idea that there were a lot of forgettable characters. They introduced a lot of characters. You know, here's the math club, right? Eh, who cares about them? Here's, you know, some cops that are along the line. Or, you know, to be honest, I even forgot Barley's name through the entire movie. And Ashley kept saying, it's Barley. His name is Barley. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's his name. Because they only, it's just the older brother, right? He's, you know, I guess I didn't hear it that much if they did. I keep forgetting about the centaur. I, I didn't remember him at all. Like, there was a lot of forgettable characters for me. Yeah, and, and well, they're all, I mean, unfortunately, when you do any type of movie in general, it tends to go a little bit more in animation where it's geared more towards family and not necessarily towards adults. Like I kind of feel soul was more for adults than it is children, but with onward, it's definitely more for family. You know what I mean? Like there's a family, like you deal in absolutes and you deal in tropes and the trope characters. It's I'm surprised we didn't talk about this, Nathan, when we were talking about Ninja Turtles, but like the Ninja Turtle characters themselves are tropes. There's the, you know, the teacher's pet or the, you know, it cares about honor. There's the party, the jokey one. There's the hothead. And then there's the, the smart one. You know what I mean? Those are very basic tropes at a very basic level that, and, and they're color coordinated. So if you mm-hmm. forget that, you can remember the colors and then you can go or vice versa. And it's kind of here. It's like one of them, it looks like a, a, a wannabe rocker who is the older and he's older. And then there's the nerdy one, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's, you're not wrong with some of the characters. Like I couldn't tell you any of their names before I started watching the movie. And I'm probably, unfortunately, will forget the names again here in probably a few days or so after recording this. I won't remember the name. I'll just remember Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. And that's mm-hmm. it. It's not like Mike and Sully and or uh, Sully or Scully and uh, Monsters Incorporated. Like, I will remember those names. Those are powerful that stick out. Sully's well, on another show. That's amazing. Well, it's, so, it's it Sully because four. it's Sullivan. That's right. See, it's yeah. The X-Files theme is in 5-4. And that's not easy to do to make well. Yes. Mulder and Scully. Classic X-Files. But yeah, so, uh, I mean, that's really kind of it, guys. I mean, I feel like we've covered a lot on the film. Well, I guess, I don't, I know, like, your background, Nick. I, I guess, visually, was there anything, like... Like, you know, like you'll watch movies and you'll like what I find wrong with it. I'll completely miss like you're like, well, that building was animated wrong, or like, did you see that horrible angle or oh. that you know that shot? I don't know what that's called. Poor filmmaking, but a bump. I don't know if you guys notice any of that. Like, I don't know if like in, if it's something you don't notice in animated movies. I don't know if there was anything where you're like, well, that building could have looked better. You could tell like they skipped this maybe with the design. I don't know. You know, I. Don't don't f- the water did. I didn't. I didn't feel that way with this. I mean, the only thing I had it for a second and I lost it. It wasn't like a huge thing though. Whatever it was, like 
I thought it was weird that, granted, you're, when you're on the shady side of town, there's usually nobody out and about because it's the shady side of town. But there's a part of me that wonders, is it like a budgetary thing? They didn't have time or the money to put the extra background people walking around until they got into the store because it was all about those biker pixies. But no, I, I don't really feel that there was any like filmmaking. I, oh, I know what it was. Usually with Pixar and Disney movies, I can look out for the Easter eggs that they usually try to throw in. Like the, I didn't see that this time. Or the name of the pizza shop from Toy Story or the little icon, the little rocket ship. Oh, they usually fire. put that or the car in the background of a movie somehow of all of them, no matter if it doesn't make sense for the world, they'll find a way to put it in there somehow. And I've not, see, I didn't see the, the pizza place uh, car. Yeah. That's really, yeah. I don't, I didn't really see anything. Sam, did you see, excuse me, anything that was kind of off the rocker on that? I'm bad at looking at that kind of stuff. I'm really, I'm, I only really notice, you know, like plot incongruencies or like, Small things I guess talked about with the pants, but you know I don't notice that kind of stuff. I'm really I'm really oblivious. I'll be honest. Well, no, that's wizard really effing quick. Well, the whole beginning of the movie lost all merit. Like, don't start out a movie with these people have to work fucking hard to even create a fire spell. And love, okay, let's be honest. Love is not an excuse to fucking learn almost every goddamn spell and go from like I don't know what a staff is to like oh I can do everything all the time because I have will and love no like that threw me off like either don't do that don't do that in the beginning or change it don't say how hard it is and then tell me somebody can do it in less than 20 hours again i know it's about the kids i get it but i hate stuff like that. i don't see i don't think that's a kid thing though i think that's storytelling one well, I, I found out that like my great grandpa or my you know somebody was like hey nathan you know when you turn 38 you're gonna get this present i would love to go on a goddamn journey i'd love to go like just go to the store and have money to buy stuff but like here we are here we are i just i i hated that because they're trying in one way they're kind of trying to make it as realistic as they can but then it's just like oh if you just believe you can and that just really just made me upset like oh he's of course he's going to learn all these powers because he's a main character like it just kind of made me mad like well, why isn't, do that isn't that a thing about storytelling though it is not just for kids or adults is that oh, there's no way he would have learned from that. i don't I, I disagree man oh, okay. i feel that he would like there the only difference is there might be tits and ass and explosions and blood. I mean, let's look at Star Wars, you know, seven, right? With Rey. She got powerful way too quick, more than any Jedi is supposed to, right? Oh, yeah. Which I, that's one of the things I, I had qualms with, but that's a different movie. Well, well, you're not wrong, though. I mean, but I feel like that's across the board, like even mm -hmm. action stars, like there has to be an arc for that character on multiple levels and not just with one thing. So there's the emotional arc, which is the him and the brother, right? But the whole thing is based around the concept that he needs to work the gem with the staff, right? Well, he has to be power. He has to go further enough that he can do that. And technically, you know, he learned it with the help of his brother who was more historically more inclined to what to do what I don't think he until the very end what well, I mean you're not wrong in that I still enjoyed it. I just thought it was like I, I just hate when they are developed they're just telling a story and they're like well this is really hard and then you know Ian who has no formal training just listening to a guy who read a book because you can't do anything in real life because Barley apparently proved that he, he is the most knowledgeable, useless person in this movie. He's knowledgeable, but he's fucking useless. All he can do is teach. He, he can't do it. So it's just like, oh, okay. So I am becoming now the best 
wizard in the world because my brother can tell me what to do. Well, so that's the thing, right? I'm surprised from a D&D angle, they didn't make it more about what each person was in the party. Like if the family is in the party, right? Like the mom and the two boys. We now know that Ian is the wizard of the group. I, I would. Dad, I, I, I sat there the whole time like, well, what did dad do with the staff? Like, Well, no, I don't. Yeah, I mean, that was, I think it's supposed to be vaguely a mystery. Like the mom probably knew some of the weird stuff he got into, but like not. I mean, or maybe it was like a weird. I do know that people who are very sick, they will go and try horrible with most. And they understand it to probably not be real things because they're desperate. They want it to. I think a good example of that on film, and it's like roughly based around the truth, is the Man on the Moon Jim Carrey movie where he goes to what was it, Nicaragua or something, to have like that healer supposedly he reaches into his body and like pulls out the cancer and tosses it into a thing and pulls it away. But really, it's all a joke. It's all a show. John Coffee sucked out the evil from people. That's all I know. Who's John Coffee? The Green Mile. Oh, Jesus. Isn't that horrible? I, it took me a second. Like, once you said Green Mile, I was like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> You know, well, that's the mom to do something like either the mom and the dad had way separate lives, which the way that her body movement and voice suggested is that they were close. She loved him. He loved her. And I understand that. I guess couples have secrets, apparently. But like I kept waiting for her to do something like, oh, look at this. Mom has, you know, mom was a wizard, too. Like maybe she blinked and like you know the dragon died not i mean but something anything like she like you like ian was gonna you know magically shoot the sword with you know with this fucking splinter by the way not only does he have great power but apparently you don't need the staff you just need fucking one one thousandth of the fucking staff without the gym to move so the gym was apparently irrelevant the whole time it was just in his fucking heart again but that's fine because dad could have been there no, 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 no. he needed the staff he needed a staff not no, the staff either. well yeah but he needed the gym still though on top of that nathan he didn't he had to have the gym and a staff not the staff well i'm very sure yeah they just showed him with a splinter like anyway i wanted mom to do something to show a connection between her and her husband yeah i i think that's now this is where it becomes i think it's a fan this is where i agree with you it would be like a family film thing where that's too highfalutin for kids to deal with that what is the mom? That's the thing they don't really talk about is what does the mom feel about all this? Like she, it, it's nice to see that she's supportive of her kids and she wants to see them see their dad one last time. Because I'm sure as an adult she probably did get closure from her relationship, but they didn't really go into that per se. You know what I mean? Like, and that, yeah. that's way more heavier stuff to deal with than they're already bringing the dad back and it's tough for the kids. Like, and the kids are the leads anyway. But well, I do know if going back to my comment about the party. The mom would be the warrior. I would. I feel very confident in that. But then that leaves Barley. What the hell is Bar? Like we're still left with this. He's, he's the bard. He's the bard. There we go. But doesn't the bard know magic too? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're jack of all trades. So I mean, it's not exactly. But you know, I. I mean, and he wasn't good at magic. But you know, he's very selfless about it. You know, he not once did he like. Was he jealous that his brother knew magic? He was very supportive and tried to help him to the best of his ability. See, that's very true. And, you know, and now, see, I, now, I wish my wife would have stopped the film later in the run and told me that because that's very true, too. Like, I, yeah, yeah, he is. He never once judges his brother. The only time he gets mad with him is when his brother hurts his feelings about the whole, you know, you're a mess up, you're a screw up. And, you know, and that's the thing, too. It's true. Magic doesn't lie. Like, you know, and that's I think that can be a convoluted answer like 
I know some people don't love the whole thing. It's like uh, your heart is pure or whatever. You're pure of heart. Well, what does that mean? There's no such thing as pure of heart. And I was like, I think there is actually. I think that you can have shades of gray in how you approach things. But at the end of the day, do you approach things from a, you know, from a lighthearted perspective or like uh, just you're, you you hate everybody and you want to see them die or, you know, horrible things. You know what I mean? Like, are you cruel to people on purpose versus, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? That can fall into that same kind of realm a little bit let's see i feel like we yeah we've i think that was the last thing we could kind of probably cover with this any final thoughts on anybody like nathan final thoughts not really i mean it's definitely yeah. worth watching once i like i mean it wasn't that it was i mean it was still a good movie it might be coming off that i didn't really like it i did like it but i would have no desire to i mean if i never saw it again i'd be fine fair enough I'll tell someone not to see it if you i mean if you like adventure if you like the magic side or the you know fantasy then it's a great animated movie to to watch. There we go. All right, Sam, what about you, man? What are your final thoughts on the film? Is there anything else that you maybe wanted to mention and you just haven't got a chance to... Well, there's one thing. Uh, yeah, and this it... is an appreciation thing. You know, I really loved... You know, I'm a fan of different myths and legends from different cultures all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I loved the subtle nods they had throughout the entire movie to all of, you know, a lot of different types, like I said, of cultures, myths, and legends. You know, we can break it down easily to a phoenix, right? Where phoenixes are in multiple cultures, but he was a phoenix gem. He'd rise from the ashes. It makes sense that, you know, that's why... He you know, that brings him back to life. Also, Barley had a phoenix jack phoenix written on his jacket on the very back. Hades was written on Barley's, you know, leather jacket as well. Hades, Greek mythology, so with the Pegasus that, you know, was on there. Guinevere is a Arthurian legend. The father's wearing a Gaelic knot shirt. The dragon dog is a Chinese-style dragon from Chinese myths and legends. So, like, there was pulled from just so many different cultures, and I loved all those little subtle nods. Yeah, that's, I, I didn't think about the dragon, though. I Yeah, because the Chinese and Japanese dragons are very thin, almost snake-like, Mm -hmm. usually with little wings and little hands and arms. So, yeah, that's true. And I did think about Gwyneth. I was like, oh, that's like King Arthur, you know, dragons and knights and shit. I get that. Wow. <laughs> but no, I, yeah, but you're right. That also feeds into, yeah, the phoenix and all that stuff because the phoenix is not necessarily Anglo-Saxon from Missing Legends, is it, Sam? I, I feel I like... I mean, you... so there, like I said, there's phoenix records in ancient Chinese mythology, something similar to a phoenix in that. There's, I mean, a phoenix in some more Western cultures as well. You know, there a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, giant firebirds. I mean, in, especially in Chinese, they have so many. They have something called a vermilion bird. They have a rock, which can be, you know, one of bearer flames, which is, you know, the giant bird. And, you know, of course, they have the phoenix. So they have a lot of different firebirds, per se, in, in, in those kind of legends. Do they have a Rodan? Oh, sorry. Ran, sorry, bad Godzilla. Some of that stuff is kind of loosely based on, like, very distantly based on some things. Other, you know. A lot of the Japanese stories, you know, come a lot from the China, over from China, too. I mean, even their language was adopted from, you know, the Korean, Japanese, the kanji from Japan and the Mandarin and the, a lot of the characters are all like have the same kind of root. So a lot of those cultures really intermingled until they started hating each other. And isn't that weirdly interesting that they all started hating each other, but when they have so much as a common basis on some level, or it feels like they have a, a, a similar basis from each other, and they just all... That's, people split apart like that, because they, I mean, it's just how you, they did terrible things to each other. There's some horrible things that happened between every single one of those groups, and that's just kind of people in general, unfortunately. So, you know, no matter what common ancestor or, you know, learn, you know, learning or, you know, history we have, we always find a way to split ourselves apart, and, you know, that's... The goal is to not do that. It's to try and remain together, but it's harder than, you know, one would think. 
Yeah. Well, I do know for one thing, though, Sam, if I ever do anything with Chinese or uh, Japanese culture, I'm going to definitely have you on because you just busted out, or mythology. You busted oh, out it. way more info, which I eat that shit up, but I just don't know it all. Like, I will say this if you haven't, I actually, I'd be surprised if you don't listen to it on some level just because of how well versed you are. Is you ever heard the Myths and Legends podcast? I, I actually haven't. I really don't listen to many podcasts. I, I don't have anywhere to listen to them, which is a, a big problem. I don't have time oh, no. either. Well, if you ever find a way to, I feel like that would be up your alley because literally, and he's, he majored in it. I think the guy who hosts it, he majored in it and like, he'll take it all. Like, so like he'll take, he'll look at like the 10 most prominent versions of one of the myths or the legends and he'll condense it down and retell it into the, as best he can, a full story. So like when he did beauty and the beast, he life finds a way. He found a way to combine all the different versions of beauty and the beast. And then he talks about the stuff where it's like the book was written during a time where like you know the bourgeoisie were very much into you know women not doing being very submissive or whatever which was also weird because the french culture before the women weren't that submissive to the men and now it was like a thing and like there's the appendices is like a hundred pages of that and he's like Uh we're not going to talk we're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast because no one cares about that and it doesn't really add anything to the story so yeah yeah but he but that stuff like that he goes all into it you know it's really interesting especially with arthur the King Arthur legends. It's interesting because there's so many different versions of Arthur or even the Greek gods and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That reminds me, I completely forgot Road to Valhalla. That's Norse mythology. Oh, yeah, yeah, with Thor and Loki and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, Valhalla's where, I mean, that's the afterlife. Yeah. I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe so. So mm-hmm. once Ragnarok comes, they all go to Valhalla if they haven't gone already. Actually, doesn't Ragnarok destroy Valhalla? I, Ragnarok is the end of all. It destroys everything. I believe so, so yeah. It's the destroyer of the realms. Well, it's the Ragnarok of this episode, unfortunately. But Sam, Nathan, thank you guys so much for doing the show. It was a blast to talk to you both about this. The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky is presented by D4K Studios. Executive producer is Nick Argenbright. Co-producers are Ashley Carlson and Catherine Ranella. The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky is also made possible by our Kickstarter backers. To see our backers, check out our show notes over at gbgpodcast.com. Our theme and end credit tracks for The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky are by chiptune artist Hide Your Tigers. You can check out their music by going to hideyourtigers.bandcamp.com. We also feature the track from Futurama, The Devil's Hands Are Idle Playthings, an arrangement by our own Nathan Haley. If you enjoy our program, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review or subscribe to wherever podcasts are streamed. Get out of here without cheese! You're a creep! Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something, because I'll tell you something, this is a happy place.